Hello and welcome to Keyframes, a podcast about anime. I'm your host, Ben Halliburton, and with me today is Andy. Hey, hey. Duncan. Hello. And Jeff. Hello. Duncan's trying to prove something, but I won't call him out. Anyway, <laughs> last episode, you heard not me, but the other three gentlemen talk about the second season of Beastars. And now we are doing our promised topic on Satoyama, the fantasy of going back to the countryside, the fantasy of living close to and in harmony with nature. Um, I, back when I was reading a lot more academic articles for uh, anime, because I was just had more of a grad student mindset, grad student life, uh, I came across a couple of really interesting ones uh, about how like my neighbor Totoro invented this kind of humble pastoral environmentalism and that Satoyama, which literally means village mountain, but the idea of the in-between land between arable flatland and rocky or forested mountains, um, that using that word, my neighbor Totoro had this sort of pastoral ideal that's recurred a lot in, uh, in, uh, in modern anime. And um, yeah, I just wanted to talk about what kind of anime play into this ideal, what kind of anime subvert it, what does nature, naturalism, and environmentalist living look like in the various anime that we've watched. So obviously, My Neighbor Totoro is the big is the big one. Um, Duncan, you said you just rewatched it. Yeah, I watched it about a week ago. I I, I think the thing about uh, Totoro is like there's been so much discourse about it since it came into sort of western popular uh consciousness like the the famously people saying oh it's totoro death and all, oh all the all all these these over readings of it and i know this is pot ca- calling kettle black in the most most <laughs> hypocritical way but occasionally it's good not to overread something and totoro <laughs> i think is definitely one of those films which it's really good just to sit and sort of soak in and just enjoy its very well crafted moment to moment flow and i think there's there's been a lot said about how japanese uh comic books are paced differently to western uh comic books and how that's also something which is found in anime as opposed to western animation moment to moment as opposed to scene to scene. And mm-hmm. I think the countryside seems to be a, a place where that technique is applied a lot. Like the cut you'll see of like a like a, an insect crawling along a, a piece of, of foliage or something. Like I saw that in Kaguya today and uh, in Mushishi. And like this, whenever uh, people go back to the countryside, the director's immediate thing is, okay, we've got to show all these small things which make it what it is. These This mm-hmm. composite of small things. I I really enjoy that. The sort of one work which I can think of, which where you have some very similar language directorially in a sort of semi-urban set in this Garden of Words, where you've kind of got a location which is serving a purpose of the countryside within a city they once again switch the language but even the more light-hearted stuff like non non likes to do it mm-hmm. so the, the theme that is the, the theme that's in question is it just purely like the countryside or is it just the feeling of it being relaxed and laid back and calming is there anything sort of like 
different to say you know one of your more traditional or commonplace or like healing anime well i think that specifically the idea of of proximity to and harmony with nature as a major component of a certain subgenre of healing anime and it also appears in non-healing anime i would argue that slight spoilers i guess for the most recent evangelion movie the 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 section of the movie that takes place in a small peaceful farming village is is rife with that specific idea of relation and i think that ano in that movie specifically connecting it to the need for otakus to to be less online (laughs) um, among among other things uh is like this idea that like if you're if you're staying in a in a 200 year old like wood frame house in a village of of 130 people like you're probably not that online there's probably an idea of going outside connecting with nature growing the food that you will eat yourself in a garden that you tend yeah i don't know like uh there are a couple of anime that are very specifically about this like barakamon um soccer quest yeah. which has been much discussed um, wolf children in the, wolf children is what i was about to say yeah it's precisely because wolf children is literally like having a shitty life in the mm-hmm. city and then moving out to the countryside and just unlocking this just unlimited beauty of like a, a humble domestic life we're, we're supported by community too because it's harmony with your neighbors as well as with your neighbor the mountain yeah. and the landscape and then doubled with sort of the way that both the children both take very div- diverging paths in there uh, you know, mm-hmm. growing up, one literally becomes the wolf and protects the mountain with his like wolf clan, and the other one stays as a human. And I mean, it might be a bit too on the nose, maybe, but like I thought it was still very beautifully done, and the parallels was really gorgeous. I think that a lot of the power of of wolf children is just like this phrase has only been used in the negative, but like saying the quiet part loud of just like yeah, it's just really nice to be out in nature and <laughs> to eat like good natural food mm. and to like have a huge sky and green forests like in non non biore just like the omnipresence the oppressiveness of green it like it's counterpoint to like aquatope on the white sand where like the omnipresence of blue in okinawa but definitely in non non biore like everything's green except for like little strips of road and the occasional house everything else just different shades of that one color yeah uh, i i mean and why you love Nonnonbiori, but then also their insistence to get out of the city and that they're not like in a, mm-hmm. they're not a country town. They're actually a city town and they're city people. <laughs> <laughs> One of the things I actually do like about Nonnonbiori is despite its, its reliance on green, it is also a year round show. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like a lot of Satoyama shows uh, are shows with that sort of vibe. Um even ones like Natsunar Arashi, like really depend on just like the imagery of summer. But I do like that uh, Nananbiori has like it has its winter times. Like you can see the places that you've previously seen as green, and now they're white and brown. And there's that anticipation, and also the pleasure of being there to witness the full cycle gone through. Yeah. Could I ask like a, a question of the group? Like, mm-hmm. I wonder if like there's something peculiar to the geography of these locations we see as well like often they're they're valleys surrounded by by hills like that's 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 a very sort of iconic thing to me and like do you think that isolation that physical isolation is is part of it like how Andy talks about non-onbiuri and how they sort of all want to pretend they're less country than they actually are mm-hmm. um 
it is like the, the acceptance of where they are, which are, it brings their happiest moments and and some of the, the the sweetest things between them. And I think that can also go the other way. Like famously, you've got things like Higurashi, which is uh, uses that isolation to effect for horror or. Uh, take a drink, uh, anime Flowers of Evil, which has like <laughs> like it's one, set in the one city. life. Yeah, nice. But it's setting a small city in the countryside, which is uh, which I think to him, there is a big there is a big preoccupation of like what's beyond those hills, like mm. the idea that this is pinned in and it's a little bubble world, which I think is is more about the horror elements of Flowers of Evil mm. rather than the Satoyama. But it's the same mechanisms. You're right, yeah, and I mean, that's the same in Higurashi where like the characters are living out of balance with nature. This isn't like cutting down a few trees for charcoal and planting some more. This is this, uh, this construction project. It's a dam project, right? Mm. That's, that was the inciting element that's causing all these killings and all this, like this belief that the town's local God is murdering people um, one a year forever because they pissed them, him <laughs> off and spirit spirits don't see time that way. So. Yeah. Um, I think it also really relies on the the perspective character, or at least you know one of the main perspective characters, being a newcomer from the city. Um, mm-hmm. Similar, you know, because like you know, even something like Super Cub that you know largely takes place in the you know in in the mountains in a small town, but it's about the isolation being painful and how you know, and then you know getting more technology and getting into the wider world and getting more urban being, you know, what sort of heals her. And it's, I think Sadayama, it seems like it's as, a, it's as much about getting out of your old situation and into a more harmonious like place. And I think for a lot of people, the countryside represents that rather than it being an inherent part of the countryside, because there's lots and lots of, you know, people in rural areas who will tell you that it's not necessarily all, you know, good times and fun and roses out there. Sure, sure. It's an ideal of of country mm-hmm. living rather than the actual reality, which is, I think, one of the reasons that Silver Spoon is so entertaining is because it yeah. it does kind of revel in in popping the bubble of people who may have watched My Neighbor Totoro and been like, man, wouldn't it be great to just have to like tend a rice field and <laughs> have a couple of livestock that was also what I quite when Sakura Quest was at its best. That's the bits that I liked was when, you know, they were having the, the problems with the old folks up on the hill who didn't want to leave their like three log cabins. <laughs> and so they had <laughs> And all their journals, all the journals of observation that they had. Exactly. That that one professor was like wasting his life's work against it was I shouldn't have taken a drink of water. <laughs> <laughs> Lots of grad school feelings uh, in this episode. I guess. Uh, so you know, like that that to me was like the, the best part. Yeah. Didn't finish it, full confession. I mean you 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 genuinely didn't miss much. <laughs> like they, they they saved the town in the end just because they really want to. I imagine so. Because like because usually they're like it's a if it's not someone retreating to the countryside, it's that under attack. Mm. Like Princess Mononoke, Pompoko, a lot of Miyazaki's uh, movies, Cast in I mean, the Sky, are all are all yeah. The idea that this is an, a balance that's easily upset and is maybe temporary. Ultimately, 
Mm, I, th- I think Pon Poco's a, a good pull because I think T- Takahata's got a lot to say on this, like perhaps even more than Miyazaki does. Like if you if you look at Pon Poco, you look at uh, Kagawa, you look at Only Yesterday. Yeah, Only Yesterday, Jesus, yeah. <laughs> You're talking about going from the country to the city and that adaptation. Like that's a that's something that Miyazaki and Takahata share. Like rather than. This this retreat to the country, I suppose, like it's almost like the middle class dream in in England. I, like, and Andy will have seen <laughs> this. Like, daytime television is full of shows where someone's and settling up their city home and buying a home and uh, going off to live a simpler, more grounded life. And the shows which address, like, as you were saying, how that's not all sweetness and light is, uh, like Silver Spoon or like uh, Only Yesterday to a degree. Mm-hmm. In a, in only less yesterday, she she goes out to the countryside to sort of recapture a holiday she spent there in her, in her youth, and mm-hmm. part of it is sort of reflecting on who she was as a kid and what how to her then that the countryside was just this boring place where, where she want she had no friends and she wanted to go back to the city she was bored there was nothing to do and yet as as an adult she goes back out there she's she's working and that fills her life in, in a way like she's doing something every day she's getting up at the crack of dawn she's going to bed and even though that work is harder is more f- fulfilling and i think idea that of effort and reward often comes into these shows like that the countryside isn't necessarily forgiving but you sort of get what you put in back Mm -hmm. yeah i mean a lot of a lot of ghibli things whether whether takahata or miyazaki have that like even as far back as nausicaa which i guess is not technically ghibli as everyone has to point out um there is the idea that like farming is hard and eventually it's going to kill you and that's a that's a fairly common thing. But the idea that that uh, Nausicaa, their princess, is just as happy to like wield a hoe alongside them. There is again this idea of of community and connection. And with only yesterday, she realizes that like actually those boring memories are her most the most treasured memories of her life now. And in the same way, Nausicaa and the people around her discover that. You just gotta like love the earth and treat it well, and 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 trust that it'll take care of you too. There's there's the interconnectedness again, whether between people or the environment or both. The finishing image of uh, Nosko of the uh, the golden fields of wheat, like that's mm-hmm. this idea of like there being a this bounty which isn't guaranteed, but if if you mm-hmm. work for it, might come. And one other show which I think bears. As I brought it up briefly and and plays into that is Mushishi. Mm-hmm. It's it's interesting because I think a lot of the shows we talked about so far tend to be fairly static. Like they're always set in one village and no one ever moves from there. But uh, because Ginko is a traveling sort of medicine salesman in Mushishi, he we have a fairly large selection of locations. He's on the co- a small village on the coast or like a hamlet in inland but there's they're mm. never he's never in a city it's always these small isolated communities where the way that nature and humans interact intertwines the most and w- where mushishi exist and where he can 
investigate these strange beings which are halfway between like plants and animals and which obey their own sets of laws. And I think that Ginko himself is is an interesting protagonist for this this genre because he's very emotionally detached. Whereas in only yesterday, he, she, she's going back and she's forming an emotional connection with the environment she's in. Whereas Ginko is going into these environments and interacting with nature on a, on a very clinical, detached level. Like he's, it's kind of, he often deals with things like droughts and disasters. And like, I, I'm not sure if it was Wolf Children where I think the first crop she, she sows dies. It's Wolf Children. Yeah. yeah. And I think like that was a... A scene I really liked in it because often someone just goes to the the countryside and suddenly they're like a farming prodigy. Everything comes out fine. They're growing the best tomatoes they've ever tasted. But no, she, in Wolf Children, she she puts in all this hard work and because she just doesn't know a couple of important things, everything just wilts and dies. Mushishi is that writ large. It's how even these small imbalances or small changes can completely wreck a ecosystem. You. At the other end, you have things like um, Pompoko, where it's the end of the ecosystem and what comes after, what happens when that no longer exists and what happens to the people and the animals which used to be there. Like We have this that fabulous moment in Pompoko where the Tanuki trick people into remembering their lives they did have of the countryside. Yeah. Someone like, remembers her childhood and her, her mum and dad who have passed away like that and they're like little simple house and it's it's like that's that's one of my favorite bits in in that film because Pompoko spends a lot of its time being quite sarcastic and not entirely sympathetic to its kind of dumb tanuki cast and then you have this (laughs) one really sweet sentimental moment amongst all all that and it it kind of sucker punches you it sort of lures you in by being cynical and then goes "Eh, actually i I kind of want to be a bit sentimental here and you go oh ain't that nice (laughs) yeah 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 pompoko is is really interesting because it it doesn't necessarily depict the tanuki as worthy of being saved like they have their own culture <laughs> yeah. and it's yeah. con- i mean like but they're not but they're not like they're not noble they don't their society isn't necessarily more like sophisticated or compassionate or, mm. or whatever value you might you might have um but just that it's something that's not going to exist after it's gone and therefore mm-hmm. nostalgia is the great term for it and i think a lot of ghibli uh Ghibli works turn on like knee jerk nostalgia. There's a reason that that uh, Whisper of the Heart is full of country roads. The song about a a guy who just really likes the place he lives. Uh, but um, yeah, no, th- there is this idea that just like why not let it exist if it's existed all this time? And the answer is, of course, capitalism and money and progress and all sorts of other forces in society. Um, but that makes the movies and the shows themselves stand as as memorials, um, the same as the visions that the Tanuki are making people see at the end of Pompoko. Mm. I wonder if we're going to start seeing less of these types of shows now, considering people are now moving out of the city. That wanderlust for <laughs> the countryside is just going to become less and less. I could be completely I'm wrong. I'm sure there will be, always be plenty of basement-dwelling otaku, though, who, <laughs> who really... <laughs> really wish that they could see 
I don't know. I don't know what they exactly wish for, but clearly there's a need being catered to because just the idea of healing anime and then the subsidence of like, like Barakamata just like f- fucking off from your annoying job and just going <laughs> and having a cool relationship with a neighborhood kid in a small town yeah. somewhere. <laughs> piece of shit. <laughs> and you guys like just to just to go off what Andy's saying there. Can you guys think of any um, science fiction or or futuristically set? Um, things which play into Saturnia. I was thinking a little bit about Carol and Tuesday, but then I didn't put it on my list because I didn't want to talk about <laughs> Carol and Tuesday. <laughs> I mean, this may be a long shot, but uh, Foodie Cooley, you could argue, technically, has... <laughs> Go ahead, please do. Because a lot of it is him kind of wishing to live a normal life. And then mm. the evil corporation wants to flatten the city to take to oh that's true to that's... you know iron out the city iron out the evil and presumably what would be left is just green grass and um and and a lot lot of the time is spent in those reeds yeah, by the right. by the river yeah. well, like very little and, is actually spent in those run down warehouses yeah i would make an argument that the I would make an argument that those canals that so many Japanese cities have with like the green spaces yeah. on either side is like miniature countryside. That's why all of um, Arakawa <laughs> under the bridge takes uh, place just with a bunch of guys <laughs> living in a living in a marsh, an urban marsh. Yeah, but that, I just assume they're like, but they just for like flood safety. I figured, I figured that's what yeah. it was. Uh, but that's like that mm. is green space for a lot of people <laughs> in a certain mm-hmm. if not in a certain type yeah. of city a certain type of anime depicting mm. a certain type of city yeah. um but but compa- compare that though andy like for example to the way storm drains are used in a lot of american cinema like these like especially la storm drains like think uh, terminator 2 mm. If you're gonna tell me you haven't seen Terminator 2, yes, I'm gonna get angry. Yeah, better, God, damn better it, get angry. <laughs> no, I've seen I've seen Terminator 2. You literally can't you literally can't mention any movie to Andy without him. No, I haven't seen that, mate. Sorry. I've seen Terminator 2 once. Okay. Okay, yeah. Okay, so like in America, like these storm drains are these massive concrete structures which make handy action set piece these places to take place. Yeah, it's, where, in, it's the race in Greece, yeah. right? Yeah, that's an industrial <laughs> scale one instead of an, a local one. Have you seen Greece at least? No. <laughs> How did your parents take care of you as a kid? <laughs> I lo- love that Andy brings that up and then right. goes, "Have you actually seen?" You no, know, I did watch. The- <laughs> You've apparently watched one of the like less, <laughs> one of the the less iconic parts of Greece. I guess racing Greece lightning is part of Greece. I, oh well. You know, I did watch. This is not the Greece cast. Like- the other month, for the first time, I watched Dirty Dancing. Now that's a good film. <laughs> Speaking of escaping to the countryside. <laughs> yes, precisely. Oh, my God. <laughs> Dirty Dancing is Satyama. Oh, yeah, that's bringing, bringing it back round. <laughs> Dirty Dancing is Satyama. Oh, man. That film's uh, wild. Uh, to answer your question... <laughs> to answer your actual question, Duncan, um, and... To rescue you from having to explain what more basic movie making features are to Andy, um, I think that Satyama is more is more common in fantasy, like isekai Satyama. Yeah, like slime is just like Satyama power fantasy, the anime, mm-hmm. <laughs> and Slime Diaries even more so. Yeah, make a beautiful farming community, and it makes you the most powerful person on the planet. <laughs> uh, 
if only. Um, but the best example I can think of for a sci-fi thing with that, um, and everyone should take a drink because I'm going to bring up Turn A Gundam again, of this idea of high tech invading from the moon and in, it, like disrupting the society that in the transition from like 19th century to 20th century technology is losing this countryside and a lot of the big fighting in, in uh, Turn A Gundam is about the uh, basically the Sun Belt, which the moon wants to annex, and it's all this countryside that'll impoverish any nation that it gets taken away from. Um, so there is, again, the anxiety of like environmental collapse and the mechanization and industrialization of farmland as counterweights, but I don't think it's specifically about like, oh, wouldn't it be great if everyone... I mean, that actually does happen in, in Turn A Gun, but wouldn't it be great if everyone live, could live in the countryside and just live simple lives... Rice for all three meals, a piece <laughs> one, of fish, a piece of fish at night. <laughs> one show that, you know, I think kind of counts as this, but it's, you know, me being the like, you know, what, you know, what if I could be clever? But the Dragon Maid, I think, has a lot of qualities mm. like the, like the things that make that show like endearing when it isn't being like horny and problematic is, you know, humans living in Japan have a very similar relation to the dragons that the people living in the country would have from people coming in from the city, you know, they're, you know, these, you know, they have access to much more power, but they want act, you know, but they want to join in this much more to them, you know, simple, low stakes life, you know, even like, you know, Alma joining, uh, you know, an overworked office and working nine hours a day, six days a week, or like, uh, is like, to her, it's like taking a break because she's used to being like a deity for like major like nation, things like that. Like, you know, they kind of cheat by having, you know, a lot of things take place at one of those, you know, big marshy green space rivers or at a small, you know, Degashi store where, the, you know, or, or in like little uh, like little shopping districts. So it's not like a heavily urban show, but you know, it's still, you know, in the city, but has a lot of the same sort of beats and rhythms of, you know, something, you know, taking place in the countryside or at the seaside. I mean, I think that's just yeah. it being a healing anime. I don't think that's got anything to do with the countryside whatsoever. Sorry to disagree with you there, Jeff, but I, I feel that what you're getting confused with is healing anime <laughs> compared to something that's in the city. Uh, Cause like so much of Dragon Maid is just them in the city and him uh, dealing with their shit nine to five, like seven to seven job, which is programming. Like nothing to do with the countryside whatsoever. Except, <laughs> but, but 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 like for 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 the dragon characters, you know, their experience of that story is sort of that, and them being more the perspective characters than the people, the normal people living the the hectic urban life to them. You know, you know, they're not typically the like the the characters that the the show is concentrating on. I know it's a stretch. I know it's me, maybe being trying, <laughs> trying to be too clever. But like, I think some of the th you know, I I, know, I think there's a little bit of a little bit a little bit there. No, I mean, I mean, maybe we're just trying to have a fight now. We're just trying to get <laughs> to change the subject as we maybe wind down if we're beginning to reach. Um, I did want to mention how how much this idea of satyama is tied up to like perceptions of japanese-ness because i do think that the rural living that we see in say golden kamui with a uh, it's indigenous ainu and other in other character mm. other uh cultures doesn't get the same kind of healing anime feel like uh a sirpa's like cool cool survival tips that she gives to uh sugimoto are, are funny and fun and good to learn about but there's not this idea of like 
restoration of internal spiritual strength from eating otter fat and said there's just like incredibly sweaty queer baiting. <laughs> uh, so I do think it's interesting that like I can't imagine an anime set in France or America, the only two other places anime are set, um, that that has this kind of like idea of of nature and balance. I do think it's very much perceived by the Japanese, and I can't speak authoritatively because I I don't have any Japanese people I can tap for this kind of idea, <laughs> but it, it does seem to be to be this idea of like moderation and balance and uh, knowing the appropriateness and maintaining the social network necessary for this is like a Japanese value. And it's not projected onto other cultures um, in anime or, or not exported to other cultures. Yeah. One more question that's actually kind of a joke, but are oh. our Christmas Hallmark movies, are they American Satayama? Oh God, right. I'm sick. Okay. I was just going to say, like, it is interesting because you think of something like Vinland Saga, which you could potentially argue, you know, that's sort of similar vibes to Gone Kamui, but it's set in Victorian time, uh, Viking times. Oh my God. Oh my God. Sorry. It's Viking it's times. Sorry. <laughs> it's all the same. No, I just want that. I just want this now. I want Victorian Vinland Saga. I want them with top, top hatted Vikings and like, <laughs> uh, as soon as you also mentioned uh, the French French anime, there was that one, and I would have to put into the sub notes what it's actually called. There's that one anime about a girl who lives in like Victorian era France who's Japanese, and uh, she owns a textile shop, and it's all about her sort of selling like Japanese fashion in France at a time that was like very rare to see kimonos it was a really interesting anime and it were, it felt part history lesson part like weird thing where they all called her like a china doll uh it was very strange but it was good it was fascinating uh and it feels like what show is i this? don't know this is what's really annoying me uh duncan seems <laughs> like he should i think maybe you're on onto something that in the way that japan views his views the west's relationship with the countryside is a lot different like because it's at one remove everything is kind of abstracted like there's there's in the western countryside we see in anime we it's it's things like Heidi where it's it's just like this almost fairy tale version of it where uh, it's, someone's just living in the Alps with fluffy sheep and and helpful neighbors and it's i don't think it has the i think the thing which is often missing is the struggle it's 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 very frictionless it's it's a a getaway without the parts which ground it i don't know i'm not sure why that is maybe it's just like very that. little friction in most satoyama anyway like also heidi is a kid's show through and through like i agree with you heidi's a yeah. great cool as well because that is romanticizing about the alps but also you got the latest like, studio ponuk film um which again has escaped my mind but that's set in england they tried to they tried to romanticize british countryside too to a, a more successful scale that you you do get them occasionally in other places but it's yeah. just more like i guess draw what you know um as opposed yeah. to yeah sound of the sky also would would kind of i think mm. count as well yeah. with the, the european coded return to the countryside yeah 
apocalyptic return to the countryside yeah. too. I mean, that's like the only way that you could imagine the West having a peaceful countryside is if it's the post-apocalypse <laughs> and most of most of us are dead. Yeah. I mean, in our, in our post-apocalyptic episode, I mentioned um, uh, Yokohama Kadashi Kiko, which mm-hmm. uh, quiet country cafe, which is very much all 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 satoyama it's it's yeah, like it's, the it's it's the world I would, has... I would contest that a little oh, bit no. because it is it is like the idea of i think the imagery of just poorly maintained human habitation is much more important than the countryside elements of that mm, yeah the broken fair, up con- the broken up concrete the flooded buildings the fallen down telephone poles that's the that's the nature of the post-apocalypse but mm. yes the vibes are similar too I guess the 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 attitude I was coming to it was is this this is this is basically nature, uh, Satoyama, uh basically becoming the whole world rather than than it's like <laughs> spilling out out and the nature and, comes to us after we've destroyed ourselves. Uh, to answer your to answer your previous statement, Andy, I don't know what the other one you were talking about is, but the the kimono maker yeah. living in Paris is. Ikoku, Ikoku Meru no Krose, yeah. the animation, or Krose in a foreign labyrinth, the animation. Yeah. 2011, good memory. Wow. <laughs> it didn't last very long. It was it was memorable because it was so different uh, and set in France. Yeah, it doesn't look like it was very popular. No, I didn't hate it. I thought it was quite fun. One called it someone some one reviewer on my anime list called it a uh, one pink fluffy cloud of a BBC documentary about kimonos. <laughs> I think that's a bit unfair. <laughs> cool. Well, before Andy brings up any other anime that he can't remember the title of, uh, let's go ahead and take a break. When we come back, we will be talking about uh, Freedom that I watched. I think Jeff is going to be talking about Pretty Boy Detective Club, possibly Mm -hmm. Girlfriend, Girlfriend. Um, Duncan and Andy, do you have anything you're going to talk about? No. All right. See you all in a bit. And we're back. Jeff's going to lead us off with talk about Pretty Boy Detective Club. Too bad John's not here, but that means you might be able to get a word in edgewise <laughs> about about pretty boys or yep. detectives or clubs. Yeah. So Pretty Boy Detective Club is a Shaft anime adaptation of a Nisio Eason light novel, which I guess you could probably okay. figure out why I started watching it. It is exactly what it, is, it says on the tip. There is a bunch of shonen uh middle school kids who have a detective club and they solve mysteries. Uh, and the main character is uh, Mayumi Dojima, who is a girl <laughs> who is the, you know, another classic Nisio Eason main character of like, you know, a, a hot loner genius with supernatural powers who, you know, catches the eye of the detective club because she is always looking at the stars and so they decide to help her. Um, and for the most part, like the sh- like the rhythm of the show is very similar to what you would expect from. How do they help her? The, so like, there is like four or five different arcs. I'm where. But you just you like, know, uh, and they help her. Okay, great. Let cool. me get uh, to that, Andy. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Dude, yeah. Solve a fucking mystery. What do you want, Andy? <laughs> <laughs> so like, so the, the the basic structure of these books come arcs of anime is detective novels. Uh, there is a mystery, and they investigate, and then they you know have the the parlay scene where they reveal the thing. You know, like, that's like like the typical 
you know rhythm it's you know it's very similar to hyoka it's i i think i and john both independently came to the same comparison of it's hyoka across monogatari he would if he was here to defend himself he would say that it's actually i'm stealing it from him but he's not here <laughs> and also he doesn't agree with, and also he doesn't agree with it anymore he's changed his mind it's not apt <laughs> um but so yeah like like the basic plots are you know they come you know, she has like mayumi has these like special eyes that she can see anything as you know whatever the plot needs her to be able to do is like her magic eyes can do it and you know she saw a star when she was uh like four or five years old and she's never been able to see it again and then for some reason the government is also trying to kill her for and they just sort of like you know make the the connection of like oh it must be because of what you saw and the you know the pretty boys you know there's the uh you know like the leader who is like a 10 year old just sort of like random kid and then there's like the the student council president is in the club and also like the head delinquent is in the club and they all have their own sort of like idioms like the delinquent is all you now secretly a gourmet the student council president is like an amazing like public speaker and also you know because i think being an amazing public speaker didn't turn out to be very useful as far as like a character <laughs> in a book goes he also becomes sort of like their go-to like research guy and then you know they they, they figure out the mystery you know i'm, I'm not going to spoil it but like the rhythm of it is very very similar to monogatari uh without sort of a lot of the connective tissue like there isn't a lot of like new characters that come in it's mostly just these you know five or six boys and this girl who ends up cross-dressing to be to join the detective club because the three rules are you got to be pretty you got to be a boy and you got to be a detective and so she like starts dressing <laughs> like a guy so that she can like join the club and so just put the rules in the in the name of the club uh, yeah it's like if fight club was don't talk about this club yeah. don't talk about this club club yeah. but and and like and, and for the most part like it it's you know it's not as serious as monogatari it's it's mostly just like an excuse to do like a bunch of mystery stories like if like all of nisio eason's works are more or less this it's like weird mysteries with eccentric characters and it's more of that but it's also more shaft it's got all of the like like the mixed media it's got like you know the gorgeous animation the sumptuous backgrounds like the weird dreamlike spaces like they're they're you know their room is in you know their their club room is in the art room but it's this like it looks like versailles with like all these like marble columns and like you know, ridiculous backgrounds, spaces that would not exist in real life. But then, you know, they leave that room mm -hmm. and it's just like, you know, there's normal classrooms, there's normal streets. But, you know, the, the the rooms that they just happen to like spend, you know, sometimes multiple episodes just talking back and forth in happen to be, you know, more interesting a la Monogatari because that's what you got to do to adapt a Nisio Isid novel. Um, but yeah, I, I think it's great. Like, I mean, if you like Monogatari and you... And it has like, you know, less lolly jokes, not zero, but less. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, it's still it's still, <laughs> you know, that guy doing those things. So I, I think it, I think it's, it's lovely. I would say watch it. So like usually also the big thing with uh, detective or mystery thing is, 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 is the is the mystery a intriguing enough? To get you continually guessing throughout, and B, yeah, I wanted to know this and too. And B, is it a good mystery with a good resolution? Does it fall flat? Yeah, that's. I mean, 
Yeah, bring, bringing up Hyoka makes me... Because Hyoka, is, one of Hyoka's best points is the mysteries are all really good and fun to, like, try to puzzle out yourself. I would say probably... I mean, it's, it's definitely not as good as Hyoka on that front. Like, I just... I, I I did come up with the solution before the characters told it to me a couple of times, but, you know, similar with Nisio Eason, he likes to just kind of, like, throw a curveball at you and, like... It's, you know, they're, they're sort of sensical, but not really like it's mostly like it's the character interactions. It is like the great performances. The the, the mysteries are, you know, kind of what the, the, the rest of it is kind of hanging on as an excuse. Like the stakes of the of the mysteries are like wildly divergent. Like the first episode is like, why is the government trying to kill me? And then like the third arc is like, <laughs> why is this weird painting here? And then there's no there's, there's nothing deeper to it. But, it, you know, it's an excuse to like explore these characters and like how they interact. So. So that's what you meant by less of the connective tissue is like the, the the weird painting doesn't link back to a previous case or anything. It's just this is a weird painting. Yeah. Like I think like the yeah. way they solve the problem helps, you know, is linked to a thing that happened before. But for the most part, it's not like there's not like a big, you know, arc connecting everything. It's mostly just Dojima, you know, Miami Dojima sort of like becoming friends with these boys and their antics and their interactions. But does and I like mean, gags. Are, are the mysteries all tied into one of the characters? Then? Is that what you're kind of saying, or not? Um, s- sort of. <laughs> sounds like no. yeah. Sounds I like mean, no. like I mean, like 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 the the first one's all about the like, yeah. the the main girl. The second one, they just kind of like bump into the mystery and start investigating it. You know, another one is like you know, actually two of two, like back to back. Two of them are why is this weird art thing in this room? <laughs> and it's like their like club room, yeah. and then the last one is just kind of like, is like you know oh it's like now we're gonna have like an election and we're gonna like make this main girl who's like you know a loser into the the student council president because we think somebody's trying to kill the student council president. Yeah, because I was just gonna say like, um, talking about other other mysteries like the Perfect Insider, the the problem with the Perfect Insider is, is that. When when the the it's revealed and the cat's out the bag, it's so lame. You're just like, I feel like I wasted my time. <laughs> What's an example, Andy, of a, a show which does that right? Then, which uh, which does a good mystery I mean, reveal? Because I think a lot of the time it's bad. And Hyoka is the best example. Hyoka's a good. If we if we if we're <laughs> stepping slightly out of anime territory, Knives Out. If we're stepping back into anime territory slightly. Sure. I'd say some of the Ace Attorney stuff is pretty good, but I haven't seen the anime to back it. I've only played the video. Um, but I do know there is an anime. How about Danganronpa? And Danganronpa. Oh, good shout. Thank you. Danganronpa. <laughs> cracking. Cracking Danganronpa. Uh, yeah, when that when that final twist comes out of Danganronpa, that is something that you're not expecting at all. Uh, and that, like, runs throughout the games as well. No, good, good shout. Um... Yeah, but I was saying, in in this case, if you find yourself just kind of like toughing out the rest of the show to get to the reveal, then no, it's not going to do it. <laughs> like if you're not if you're not if you're not enjoying it consistently, regardless of what's going on, then it's probably not going to satisfy you. Sometimes it's very satisfying, especially when you have lots of these mini like mysteries. It's very satisfying when you work it out just before. Like it's it's the sweet spot where. Those, if you actively thinking, could just figure it out just before the the rest of the people do. Yeah, and 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 yeah, like like just like the 
the quality of the animation the style like it's it's a beautiful show to look at it's got a great op like the the it's chaffed. Know, yeah it, it's it's chaffed like the the production values are there even if you don't like the mysteries you probably have something there you, you're going to enjoy yeah good sounds good yeah it's cool nice okay so as a history lesson uh in the year 2006 it was the 35th anniversary of Nissan Cup Noodles as a company. To do this, to celebrate this, they put together a seven-part OVA series titled Freedom, uh, commissioned with and designed by Katsuhiro Otomo, who was fresh off of Steam Boy and who was the, uh, the author of Akira and did design for its uh, film adaptation. Um, the, the rest of the crew is not really that notable, except for Dai Saito doing the writing, which may be a good or bad thing, depending on what you've experienced his works. Uh, the main way that this show, which is about some rebellious motorcycle boys uh, discovering a secret uh, in their moon colony uh, centuries after a disaster supposedly rendered Earth uninhabitable and left the people living in this moon colony as the only humans alive Dallas. on the planet. No, not quite <laughs> Dallas, but it has some, some Dallasness. This is much more Akira on the moon, I'm afraid, right. um, but without any of the body horror, just the motorcycles. And, and noodles. Um, noodles. Yes. Well, that's the thing is the main is like, I was, I keep remember like forgetting and remembering because like, the only way that it happens is just like the main character like really fucking loves cup noodles and he just like eats cup noodles and treats people to cup noodles. But it's not he's not like it's not as explicit as that. I could I could be excused for just thinking like, wow, this is a really weird character trait. This guy only eats cup noodles. Um, and then one other character's like, really, you're still just only eating cup noodles. Aren't you an adult? And he's like, no, I love cup noodles. We eat them forever. But that's <laughs> that's secondary to the anime. Um which is, uh, which, <sighs> okay, so there's two things to talk about with Freedom. We'll start with the art first. This is some of the best, like, sci-fi architecture and technology background art I've ever seen. It is also either one of the first or the first anime to use entirely CGI animated characters for all characters, background or foreground. Um, if you're familiar with animation 2006 is pretty early for that to yeah. be something you're doing they look really bad it's like poser art shit where they're just <laughs> twisting around and stuff like that um it's the sort of thing where i could take a screen cap of any given of any given shot and you'd be like oh that's not bad and then if you string them all together into a moving picture you're like oh well, never mind this looks terrible um so i've got that going on turning off i actually had to turn it made me car sick at one point them oh doing a motorcycle God. race and i had to turn off and like go go out into my back porch and do some deep breathing for a while <laughs> uh, but i actually like the story um, the characters just suck in terms of animation and motivation, but the idea that there is the com the commanders of this moon base exaggerated a catastrophe on Earth as a pretext for instituting a 1984 style utopia is interesting. And the reveal, which I've ruined for you in part, um, is really well done. It's very slow, uh, but they've got to make room for the in-depth motorcycle racing, motorcycle construction and racing subplot, um, which mostly just... Yes, and noodle-eating. The motorcycle stuff mostly just serves to establish that one guy's good at fixing, and one guy's good at driving, and one guy, I guess, can hack. It doesn't come up as much <laughs> in, in motorcycle racing, as you can imagine. 
Um, but yeah, this idea that they spoilers if you think you're going to watch this this niche cross promotional OVA from 15 years ago. Uh, if you want to be as cool as me, you can. But otherwise, <laughs> basically, they find that like someone on someone on Earth living in the ruins of Cape Canaveral has been shooting little rockets with like with like flowers and like pictures of everybody being fine. Um, and they've just been shooting them and the shooting them at the moon to try to communicate with the moon base since they don't have the infrastructure for anything better. And this guy finds one while he's doing like court mandated volunteer work repairing the dome, which is how everybody like is controlled by the government. Oh no, it's, it's cool. He finds this picture. He finds an old man. He's like, Oh yeah, that's Cape Canaveral. When was this taken? He's like, Oh, I just found it on the moon's surface. Uh, and he's like, that's not possible. And so then they, so now I'm halfway through. I stopped watching because it was pretty boring. Um, but I'm going to finish it eventually. <laughs> but yeah, they run away. They get chased by a bunch of robots. There's more motorcycle racing scenes. There's, in fact, like a whole motorcycle gang that they beat earlier on in the show comes to like help them escape, largely by running their motorcycles into the legs of the robots chasing them, which is also pretty cool. I don't know. I, I know this is a lot. People who've listened to this podcast for however many episodes know that this is a particular stance that I often have with the anime I'm watching. Um, but I'm finding a silver lining here. I think it's pretty boring. Uh, it's wild that, like, if the reveal is like, oh, things are fine on the Earth, it takes them three episodes to even figure that out. And then one episode to, like, make a plan to try to go visit the Earth. Um, largely because the main character, the cup noodle-loving main character, thinks that the girl in the picture is really cute. Um, which is weird because he's already had a subplot about how he's in, kind of in love with one of his friend's sisters. That went away. He's going to, <laughs> he's going to Earth now. I, fuck, fuck her. I, uh, I really hope that Nishin somehow is the savior. Of all. I really hope that's what happens at the end. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's just good. I guess if he's eating noodles on the moon, like the Earth was destroyed. Did they either have a large a large stockpile of of Nissan cup noodles for use in the year 2300 or did Nissan move to the moon as part of the Mars colonization <laughs> project so there's like a legit Nissan noodle factory I mean, I mean, you're not supposed to think about this at all second, you're supposed to think what I thought which is like oh cup noodles that's funny <laughs> Nissan noodle moon that is artificial and just makes Nissan noodle <laughs> Actually, speaking of artificial stuff, there is like the projected canopy in the dome is like red skies and this like lava, like this just ruined lava covered earth. And when they go out, they're like, oh, it's weird. Like we never see the actual earth and go. Like, oh, it's on the dark side. Of the We're our colonies on the dark side of the moon. So we don't want to sh like we just show you what it looks like. And then, of course, there's a very Dallas like moment where they cross a hill and they see the earth rise and it's beautiful and blue. And the main character's like, hey, it's blue. That means it's not ruined anymore. Um, which we'll yeah. see how that pans out over the next couple centuries on our, <laughs> on our end. But, uh, but yeah, I don't know. Um, pretty me mediocre show. Extremely weird that this was a promotional anime for Cup Noodles. Uh, it's, got a, it's got a relatively early Utada Hikaru single that just slaps pretty hard. It's a hit maker. Um, called this is love the op is the best part of it i yeah she is you can tell that a year later she's gonna be at in the credits for the rebuild of evangelion movie and that, that's <laughs> gonna be how i find out about her 
so oh there was one thing i wanted to bring up uh the, the pretty uh the pretty boy detective club op like i will frequently get it stuck in my head but then it will just kind of like morph into the wotakoi op and i couldn't figure <laughs> out why until i looked it up and they're both by the same band sumika so that makes sense <laughs> yeah it's the same it's same as yutada hikaru who's just like oh yeah i was like this is really good and sounds really familiar it's got like the driving like club beat and she has lots of vocalizations as opposed to like words yeah but yeah i i love going to nishin real quick nishin and like <laughs> promotional nishin uh cup noodle stuff is wild like i don't know whether you guys have have played final fantasy 15 but there's like a very no. long mission where you just talk to all of your companions about their favorite cup noodle and it's like promotional and everything. It's the full logo on the van. It's like this futuristic landscape. And there's this old fucking like 2020 or 2015 Nishin noodle van just slap bang in the middle where they all just... <laughs> and the the mission is literally like on the marker of the thing. You just click sit there and then you just get fucking Nishin noodle like... What's your favorite flavor? Oh, mine's the seafood flavor. I love the umami taste you get from those crushed real <laughs> prawn shells. And just like, what the fuck is happening? I'm actually getting kind of hungry. I, I skipped lunch <laughs> and I shouldn't have. Uh, and then, and then Binary the other... Domain also has like really heavy cup noodle placement too, doesn't it? Uh, yes, I think it does. The other one I know yeah. is uh, my, my favorite uh, Idolmaster mm. Cinderella Girl Starlight Stage. They, they did like a full advert and song and event all on the Nishin noodle like thing they made a whole song it's actually pretty fucking good <laughs> but you're just like it's just to advertise uh, their new just curry. like cup noodles <laughs> just like cup noodles <laughs> and the spicy curry version that they just brought out i think <laughs> does the gashi kashi have an episode on cup noodles i think it think it does or am i, I mixing I, it up with something um, else it's not good the gashi i, I couldn't answer it to you it's not. It's not the same thing, though, isn't it? Like that. The cashew cashew is, is more like sweets, whilst cup noodles more of like uh, a, a meal, a shitty meal that you have if you're depressed. <laughs> uh, I don't think as a cup noodles, but the internet tells me that Baby Star Ramen, um, which is made out yeah. of leftover dried ramen noodles, uh, is is in there. Baby Star Ramen is is more of a crisp. You know, that's that is mm. a snack. But that's nothing to do with Nishin noodles. Baby Star Ramen's a bitch to eat. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Tastes real fucking good, but Jesus. Anyway, should we move on? Yeah, let's go <laughs> ahead and wrap it up. Remember, rate, review, subscribe to us on the podcast platform of your choice. Find us on Facebook. Search for Keyframes Podcast. Find us on Twitter at Keyframes Pod. Email us questions about Satoyama or about our upcoming topic next episode on recap episodes and movies is there a good one uh why do people watch them uh (laughs) do you skip them when they come up in your watches the next podcast is going to be a recap podcast on all our other podcasts oh god (laughs) (laughs) that's that you've used up your joke now you can't make a joke about telling a friend Uh, i can i can but don't just tell any friend (laughs) Uh, tell your friend who loves a cup noodle and then you're like, stop eating cut noodles. It's, it's very unhealthy. And you're seriously destroying your body. 
I, I do like that they have that they're like, wow, that's really childish and not that healthy. And he's like, nah, I love cup noodles, whatever. He, he like, after his rival beats him in a motorcycle race, he treats him to cup noodle. And his, his, his friend's like, oh, cup, his rival's like, oh, cup noodle. Okay, sure. You love this, don't you? And he's like, yeah, I love cup noodle. It's very... <laughs> that must be an insult to him. Say goodbye, everybody. <laughs> goodbye. 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 <laughs>